Some say that gaining knowledge is the best solution to the problems that we face today. Um, I want to suggest that may well be a myth. As a matter of fact, today we have an information overload, and today knowledge is easy to come by. We can get facts and figures on the internet at one click in just a few seconds. Everything is at our, our, our fingertips and ready for any moment. And yet, often we don't know what to do with the knowledge that we gained. I'm going to suggest today that we look further into the book of James and understand something about knowledge and how it relates to something more important, and that is to wisdom. There are three words that are found in the scripture that are used at times synonymously, particularly in the Old Testament books of Proverbs and Psalms, we find three words in somewhat of a triplet form, and they are very close to meaning and yet a little bit different. We have the words knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. What's the difference in those two things? I think it's key to understand. Knowledge, simply put, is learning. Knowledge is when we gather our figures together, our facts together, our data together, and fill that information into our minds. Understanding is discerning. It's when we take that knowledge, the facts and data, and process them so that we come to a, a discerning place of knowing what is right, what is not right, what is helpful, what is not helpful. But then wisdom is applying all of those things. Wisdom is knowing how to apply the knowledge through understanding so that it impacts our life. Wisdom, then, we can see is a very important part of that figure, and it's wisdom that we want to talk about today. Now, unfortunately, wisdom does not come quite as easily as knowledge. While we can gather more data in the click of a, uh, of a mouse, wisdom does not come so easy. <clears throat> Chuck Swindoll, one of my favorite preachers and writers, said this. Swindoll said, don't expect wisdom to come into your life like great chunks of rock on a conveyor belt. Wisdom comes privately from God as a byproduct of right decisions, godly reactions, and the application of spiritual principles to daily circumstances. That doesn't sound nearly as easy, does it? That makes us think that, you know what, we need to work at this wisdom thing. Now, James, our study for this month, has spent the first two chapters talking to us about spiritual maturity and showing us that spiritual maturity is seen in character. He talked about the fact that we can't just have knowledge. We can't just be hearers of the word, learning about the word. We must also be doers. And then he talked about two kinds of faith. And one of those is a living faith and one is a, a, a dead faith. And he said the thing that separates the two is that living faith not only says they believe we believe something, but then acts upon it. There is a reaction. There is action that is taken. And now today we're going to see that James is going to be, be, uh, begin to define some of the character, some of the characteristics of spiritual maturity. The first two weeks we saw the need for spiritual maturity. We saw that it was about character. The next three weeks we're going to be looking at some of those character traits, some of those um, elements, evidences of character in our life that bear out our spiritual maturity. So, you may be asking, how do I know if I have spiritual maturity? The next three weeks will be pretty important. Today, we're talking about the characteristic of, uh, of wisdom. Wisdom. We, to be mature, we must be wise. To be mature, we must be wise. And wisdom, thus, is a mark of spiritual maturity. 
What we're going to see today is, once again, two different types of wisdom. And what we're going to find is that worldly wisdom is at best incomplete. At best, it's incomplete. Now, we'll talk about what worldly wisdom is. We'll try to look at the differences in those two things and try to see them in our text. If you have your Bible with you, maybe there it's on your tablet or your phone, or you can follow it on the screen if you'd like. I want to read um, from James chapter 3, beginning with verse number 13, and read through verse 18. James says, "...who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct..." He should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. There's our word. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For, there are, for where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice." But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So James is talking to us about wisdom. Now, just as last week he told us there are two different kinds of faith, this week he tells us there are two different kinds of wisdom. There is the wisdom from below and there is the wisdom from above. The wisdom from below we're going to refer to as worldly wisdom. Wisdom from above we're going to refer to as godly wisdom. So when I use those two words, you'll know where we're going with that thought, right? Worldly wisdom, that which is from below, that which comes from the world, versus a godly wisdom that is sent down from God. Now there's a great deal of knowledge in the world, but there's not a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of us who know a lot, but that doesn't mean we have wisdom. We need to understand that the gaining of knowledge, the collection of facts, even with understanding, is at best incomplete. We need wisdom as well. And so we're going to talk about those two things. Now, what's the difference between this godly wisdom and this worldly wisdom? In a word, here it is, and then we're going to unpack some characteristics. In a word, worldly wisdom is gained through deliberate reasoning. That is, as we reason in our mind, as we think through our mind, as we digest the facts, and as we, as we contemplate the data, as we analyze the things that we're putting together, we develop a certain kind of thought pattern, and, and that can turn to a worldly type of wisdom. If worldly wisdom is, comes from deliberate reasoning, godly wisdom comes from divine revelation. That is... Godly wisdom is from God. Kind of makes sense. Pretty simple to understand. Divine wisdom is the wisdom that God imparts into our lives as He transforms our mind, according to what Paul said in Romans chapter 12. So that's the difference. Now, you're saying, well, that's a little bit too general, Pastor Eddie. I'm not sure if I can follow that. Well, what you can follow, what we can follow, is the characteristics. Because next what happens is James begins to give us the characteristics of these different kinds of wisdom. First, he talks about the characteristics of worldly wisdom. 
Look what he says, verse 14. But if you have bitter envy, now there's the first thing that we see, the first thought, the first characteristic of this worldly wisdom is it is envious. And, and you know, I think it's interesting that James puts those words together because most envy leads to bitterness. Would you agree? Most envy brings us to that place. And, and because we rationalize, because we deliberately internalize and rationalize facts, we come to the point that, oh, I can't have those things. We begin to have envy. So not only that, he says next, and selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. Well, that one kind of cuts deep, doesn't it? It kind of cuts deep because most of us do have some sort of a selfish ambition. Which of us honestly does not promote ourselves? Which of us, who of us does not try to recruit others to our team? You know, that's the original, in the original language, that's the idea of this word. In the original language, remember, your New Testament is written in Greek. We talk about that a lot, but I want to remind you of that. And sometimes the Greek language, if we think about it, will, uh, or if we look at it closely, will shed a little bit of light on what the writer is saying. In this case, it's interesting. The word in the original is actually a political term actually has to do with a political party. And, and the idea here is a party word. That is that we have a selfish ambition. That is that we are moving together, pulling together people for our party. That's the idea. Pulling together, trying to get, here it is, trying to get people to our side, right? Trying to convince people that we are right. And that's a mark of worldly, worldly ambition. Next, he says, also, don't let boast and envy deny the truth. A characteristic of worldly wisdom is arrogance. He says, don't boast, don't deny the truth. I think there are a couple of thoughts here. One is worldly wisdom tends to be boastful, tends to be egotistical. We all know that we tend to be egocentric. And, and, and so it just moves in that direction. It's all about me. And then when he talks about denying the truth, I think he's talking here about being unteachable, right? Unteachable. Do you know anybody that's unteachable? Well, hold on. Are you unteachable? When's the last time you allowed somebody to, to, to bring something into your life? Who, when's the last time you allowed somebody to speak into your life and you became teachable? You, became, you came to the point that you felt like that you had learned something. Why is it that as we grow older, we think we know it all? As a matter of fact, I can think many times at my age of, of how many times I'm still learning. And, and, but to learn and to be teachable sometimes means that we have to listen to people even younger than us, right? People who even are less qualified or less educated than us. But our ego sometimes doesn't allow us to be teachable. That's worldly wisdom. A worldly wise person says, I don't need to learn anything else. I've arrived. I'm there. I know what it's all about. And then James continues. He says, such wisdom, remember, he's talking about worldly wisdom. Such wisdom does not come down from above. It's earthly. Okay? So it's deriving from the earth, not from the heavens. It is not coming from God. It is coming from those on the earth. And then he adds, it is unspiritual. The New King James says sensual. That's a good word because he, the idea is having to do with our senses, having to do with what we can touch, feel, smell. 
It's, it's important that we, we come to the point that we are, are, are leaning toward, leaning into our senses as we think of worldly wisdom. And then finally, he says demonic. <clears throat> I, I guess that could be many things, but certainly uh, I, I am one who, who is not above thinking that the demons in this world can, in fact, influence our thinking. Can't make up your mind, can't make you choose, but can influence your thinking. The idea overall that James is trying to point out is that worldly wisdom originates on this earth. Worldly wisdom comes from our reasoning, our deliberate reasoning and rationalizing all of the data that we bring together. And at the first, that sounds really good. At first you think, well, that what's wrong with that? Well, here it is. Because worldly wisdom is at best incomplete. If all those things work out for you, and by the way, I highly doubt they will, but if they seem to be working out for you, I would still suggest at best it's incomplete. Now, what does he say about the characteristics of godly wisdom? Note the characteristics, and I think you'll agree, and I think you'll see why the worldly wisdom is so incomplete. We find that in verse 17, where James says, but the wisdom from above, there's our contrast, the wisdom from above is first pure. Pure. How can wisdom be pure? Well, perhaps it's pure in its motivation, right? Perhaps it's pure in a application. Now, if wisdom is putting into uh, practice, into application, what we have learned and what we have discerned, what's your motivation? That also enters into the picture here. And he says, godly wisdom is pure. And then secondly, he says, it's peace-loving. Peace-loving. The end goal is to bring about peace. Now, we're going to talk more about that at the very end, but note that. He says it's gentle. Not only gentle, but compliant. Now, that's a big one, isn't it? Compliant. Meaning what? Meaning is teachable. Being teachable. That's why we know that's important. Compliant. I like to poke fun with my wife and, and uh, I probably should stop. I probably have done it enough. You know, guys, you know, you got to learn to know when you've done this enough. And I probably pulled this trigger one too many times, but I like to call her my little rule keeper. Why? Because she's so compliant, right? But in the truth, her compliance is wise. And her compliance is sometimes caused us to escape from situations that would not have been so well otherwise. When's the last time you were teachable? When's the last time that somebody convinced you? Here's a good question. When's the last time somebody convinced you to change your mind? When's the last time you changed your mind about something? When's your, the last time you changed your mind about some opinion, uh, uh, about some direction, When's, I tell you, it's not natural for us, is it? We tend to be a little bit stubborn and hard-headed. Ah, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But I got a feeling some of you out there are the same way. Next, he says that godly wisdom is full of mercy. Full of mercy. Merciful. Thinking of other people, not just ourselves. And that it's fruitful. It bears good fruits. We talked about fruitfulness some last week. We saw that in James chapter uh, 2, and, and it's important that we become fruitful and move in fruit-bearing ways. Next, he says, it's unwavering, steadfast. Maybe another good word is consistent. 
Wouldn't you love to be able to move in wisdom that is consistent, that doesn't waver with circumstances, that doesn't waver with the tide in and out and in and out? Wouldn't you like to have a wisdom that you could depend on, whether things are good or not so good, whether things are, are, are free or whether they're very pressure-filled moments, whether there's stress involved, finances involved, doesn't matter. I can make my decisions and move in a consistent wisdom. And then last he says, without pretense, simply sincere, real, genuine, a, a, a wisdom that is not put on, a wisdom that is not lift up myself to let you see me, but a wisdom that is sincere and real and moving in a direction that is sincere and real. So you can see the contrast. There's a distinction between these two that are very, very clear. One impacted and influenced greatly from the, the world below and one that is greatly impacted and influenced from heaven above. Now, what's the advantage? What's the advantage for all of us to deny in the wisdom of this world and chasing after godly wisdom? You say, well, I'm not sure I want to go that route. Why should I, Eddie? Well, because godly wisdom allows us to live at peace with God and with other people. Godly wisdom bears the fruit of righteousness, which allows us to live in peace with God and with others. John MacArthur, he's been in the news lately, and uh, maybe you've seen it. Maybe you've seen it. he's the pastor out on the West Coast that um, is battling with the government there about whether or not to um, gather in a church building. John MacArthur is a noted theologian and author, and MacArthur had this to say. I think it's worth reading. MacArthur said, As James continually emphasizes, the person who professes to be a Christian must prove it by his works. Right? James 2. His daily living. If he is a true believer, he will possess his Lord's own wisdom. That is, he will possess wisdom from above, and that wisdom will manifest itself in righteousness, selflessness, and peaceful living. MacArthur understands that, that as we walk in the wisdom that is from above, as we walk in the wisdom of God, we grow, we mature. And as we grow and as we mature, the fruits of righteousness begin to be seen in our lives. And, and that brings about peace, both living among ourselves and I mean, our own family and our friends and, and our gatherings, our church, and of course, our peace with God. Wow, I, I think it's worth our effort to strive. I think it's worth our effort to understand that we move further from just gathering knowledge, just gathering data, and just trying to discern what that is to beginning to apply it. Ah, we're right back to James 1, right? Don't just be hearers of the Word, be doers of the Word. Don't just collect data, don't just gain insight, but begin to apply that and let it work out in your life. I think that's what he's saying. So, Kind of bringing this to a close, let me, let me ask some questions. Let, let me propose some questions for all of us to think about. First of all, okay, I get what you're saying, Eddie. I understand. I've been hearing you, but what do you really want me to know? Well, what I really want you to know is this, that to be mature, you need to be wise. To be mature, 
You have to be wise. There has to be wisdom in your life. As you mature, that maturity is reflected in your wisdom. And, and that's a real way for you to examine your own level of maturity. Second question, why is it important to me? Okay, I get it. I need to be mature if I'm going to grow and mature. Why is that important to me? Because worldly wisdom is what? At best, incomplete. <clears throat> what we're trying to say here is that I've got something here from the Lord for you, not from you. <laughs> not trying to ask you for something, or I'm not trying to hold something from you, but there's something here for you. And that is if you're walking only in the wisdom of the world, at best it's incomplete. There is a fuller picture here. There is so much more to be had and enjoyed, so much more to abundance in life. So here's the third question. So what do you want me to do with that, Eddie? What, what should it motivate me to do? Well, it should motivate you to be wise. <laughs> be wise. What do you mean be wise? Well, think through it. Think through it. Walking in wisdom, not just walking that the, with the first thought that comes to mind, not impulsively. You know, impulsive living, you got to be careful about that, right? M many times our first impulse is not a very wise impulse. I learned that the first time I had what some um, econo uh, economists call buyer's regret. You ever had that? You know, where you saw something, you just had to have it, you bought it impulsively, and what? Then you spend a week regretting it. <laughs> and it seems that the bigger the purchase, the longer I would, see, I would be in this regretful stage of why did I do that? You know what? That's true with so much of life. We have buyer's regret because we make decisions quickly, impulsively, without praying, without thinking, without asking God for wisdom in those matters. You got to be careful, be wise. So how do I do that? Well, one, you think of your decisions. Think about decisions that you're making. Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you making wise choices? What's the source of your wisdom? Are you just analyzing it with, with, with deliberate reasoning? Or are you seeking divine revelation? You say, Eddie, are you saying you think God really cares? Are you saying you think God really cares enough to, to, be a, to pay attention to whether or not I'm walking in that wisdom? I think so. I really do. I think that as we come to this place of wisdom, He brings us to a place of peace. Verse 18 was so powerful, wasn't it? He told us about that peace. and he, that, that The peace that comes as a result of living in righteousness and walking in wisdom. And we see that. We see it come around. Wisdom from internal rational thinking occasionally produces re direction but never produces rest. Godly wisdom always produces direction. And then we have the added benefit of peace. Now, let me make that statement again. Let me say it one more time. Rational thinking, worldly wisdom occasionally does produce direction, but it will not give you rest. You're always wondering about the next move. You're always wondering about this or that or the other. You're always wondering, did I do it enough? Did I need to do more? Is, there, is, there, is it really a wise decision? It's hard to find rest, but with godly wisdom, there is a rest and a peace that comes from knowing that we made a wise choice. So here's your takeaway for today. And uh, I, I, I won't really even unpack it much. I think it speaks for itself. Worldly wisdom offers direction but not rest. Godly wisdom gives direction and peace. I don't know about you, but that's intriguing to me. 
direction and peace. In my decision-making processes, if I could have direction and peace, that's a blessing worth thinking through today. That's a bait out there worth looking into. So I would challenge you today to think through this talk. I would challenge you today to read through James again slowly when you turn off your screen. Read through it again and let James begin to speak to your heart. And I would challenge you to think through this process because that's something worth seeking. Direction and rest. Direction and peace. I, 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 when, when we look at spiritual people, when I've looked at spiritual people that I've looked at and, and admired and, and, and wondered how do I get there and where do I get there, you know what? When I look at those people, you know someone like that, don't you? Someone who is spiritually mature, someone that you look up to, someone that you would strive to be like, someone that you would say when we talk about spiritual maturity immediately comes to your mind. You know what? I promise you when you look at them carefully, one of the characteristics you're going to see their spiritual maturity is that they have wisdom. They walk in wisdom. They have wise words. It may take them a few moments to find them. It may take them a process of thinking through them, but eventually you hear from them wisdom. And you know what? When they walk in wisdom, they also walk bearing fruits of righteousness. And they walk in peace. What a goal to be desired. You say, well, I'd love to have that, Eddie. I just don't know how you get there. Well, you know what? It's not that difficult to get there. And as a matter of fact, James tells us we don't even have to leave the book of James. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 5 says it very plainly. Verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, raise your hand, right? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. You should ask God. He didn't say, if any of you lacks wisdom, go to YouTube. I got to confess, YouTube is now my favorite place on the computer. But let's just be honest. We can't just find wisdom there. Don't just go to Google, right? Oh, if I need wisdom, I'll go to Google and I'll, I'll Google whatever I need to figure out. What are you doing? You're just collecting data. Information overload. But as I said earlier, the one who thinks knowledge is the answer to all of my problems is following a myth. Because you know what? You're going to go to those places and still come lacking. Here he says, if you lack wisdom, he should ask God. I think what James is saying is that we don't rely on our deliberate, deliberate rationalization, but we rely on divine revelation. We rely on growing in our faith journey so that as God matures us and grows us, one of the characteristics that's formed in us is wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Now watch this. You say, God doesn't care about me. Oh, yeah. Who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and, boy, had to put that in yellow. It will be given to him. Why not ask God? Got a big decision you're trying to make? Ask God for wisdom. Recognizing that you need wisdom in your life to grow and to mature, ask God. Isn't it amazing that 
when we think of Scripture and we read through Scripture over and over and over again, we see this proposal, ask God. Jesus put it this way. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. An invitation to ask God. Later on, we read in Scripture that we should come before, invited to come before the throne of grace. That's speaking of the very presence of God. That we come before the throne of grace freely, boldly. Why? Because we've been invited to ask God. You say, but I, I don't even know God. Well, well, guess what? You know how you get to know God. Just ask God. Well, I'm not, even a, I'm not even sure I'm a believer. I'm not even sure I'm a Christian, Eddie. Well, listen to me carefully. How do you become a Christian? How do you become a follower? How do you receive God's gift of eternal life? How do you have His gift of righteousness in your life? How do Ask God. Ask God. God, please forgive me of my sins. Ask God. God, please, please accept my life as I surrender it totally and completely to you. Ask God, will you be my Savior today? Ask God, will you give me wisdom? Ask God, will you grow me day by day that I can be more like you and enjoy your presence more and glorify your name and walk in righteousness and peace? And maturity. Ask God. And you, my friend, will be amazed <clears throat> at what you do. Now, if it's a little bit foreign to you and you think, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with all of that, somebody's waiting right now to hear from you. And right now, you can go to our website. And right now, you can find there a place to click. And, and someone will be ready to pray with you, to talk with you, to walk with you through that. Someone is waiting for you right now and anxious for you to just click and just enter into a chat. <laughs> I mean, maybe you say, well, I don't really need that, but I do need someone to pray for me. Well, somebody's waiting to pray. They're just waiting. All you need to do is click and someone will respond and begin praying with you immediately, whatever that need might be. Or maybe there's someone there and you say, you know what? I really believe what you said, Eddie, and I have invited Jesus to be my Lord. I have asked him into my heart and in my life, and I just have done it. You know what? We'd love to know about that. So just click and wave at us there. And just raise your hand and say, hey, yeah, yeah, I just want you to know I did that. Why? You know what? It's a blessing to us because then we can know that we can rejoice with you. I want to just encourage you today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this campus. Those of you who are people who would normally be in attending the orchard physically, but you can't, we pray for you every Sunday. We pray for you often. We know that you would love to be in the physical presence, but we're grateful that you've joined us here. Some of you from all, others, uh, all around the place, di different states, different countries, thank you for joining us. And we really want to pray for you. We really want to know you. So I hope you'll give us a shout out. I hope you'll just say, hey, I'm listening in. But more importantly... If you need prayer, call us. If we can help, call us. Next week, we'll move forward in James and we'll find another characteristic. I encourage you to tune in. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the peace and righteousness that we are afforded as we grow in you. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us today of the importance of wisdom 
and distinguishing between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, godly wisdom. May we choose the latter and may we pursue the latter. And God, I pray that many people would be touched even right now and would cry out to you, would cry out to you for wisdom, would cry out to you for salvation. And God, we'll trust you to work in every life of everyone who's hearing. We pray in Jesus' name.